the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. FBI A QM production Starring Ephraim Zimblis Jr. <laughs> also starring Philip Abbott Stephen Brooks Lynn Laurie With guest stars Jeffrey Hunter Estelle Winwood, And special guest star Dina Merrill Tonight's episode, The Monster. Okay, well, remember that show? That was a long, long time ago. The FBI, Ephraim, Ephraim Zimblis Jr., right? Uh, we need Ephraim Where is on the Ephraim? case. Yes. No. David French is with us. David is a senior staff writer at the National Review. He's also a fellow at the National Review Institute, a veteran of Iraqi freedom. David, welcome back, sir. How are you today? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Seriously, David, does this story get just weirder? I mean, uh, so uh, we had to live through Thursday when we heard both of the testimonies. And then, of course, over and over and over, Democrats said, well, what's, why, why don't you want an FBI investigation? Why don't you want an FBI investigation? Why don't you? And so finally, when they agreed at the stroke of midnight, once they got the thing from the American Bar Association, OK, we're going to do an FBI investigation. Now the mantra is, well, I mean, it's not really about the sexual assault. Now it's just about the fact that he lied about us, all this other stuff in his yearbook. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's where we are right now. So for a week, it's we have to determine whether these sexual assaults occur, sexual assaults are disqualifying, which I totally agree. However, I, I thought the evidence that they occurred was very, very, very thin and, and growing more thin. I mean, by this point, we have multiple different accounts from uh, Christine Blasey Ford about the attack against her, multiple different accounts about who, uh, how many people were present. We still don't know where it was. We don't know when it was. We have different accounts about when it was. I mean, this is pretty amazing uh, that we're even seriously talking about this as a claim after the way that the, the evidence just hasn't been there to support it. I mean, even the people she put forward is saying support her claim. They do not. Right. Um, and so, but it's very telling to me that we then switch from Brett Kavanaugh rapist or Brett Kavanaugh uh, sex abuser to Brett Kavanaugh perjurer. So rather than talk about the actual horrible claims made against him, we're now talking about whether he lied when he was describing inside jokes and slang in his high school yearbook. Right. And my favorite is Brett Kavanaugh, angry man, unfit for the judiciary. Uh, you know, so we have more than a dozen years of a record of his judicial temperament, hundreds and hundreds of cases. We've seen his judicial temperament. But we've also seen this temperament as a man, as a husband, and as a father when he's falsely accused of gang rape. You know what? Those are going to be two different temperaments. Definitely. They're two different temperaments. If you saw me arguing the case on behalf of a client, you would say, oh, look at, that's a, David, look at te David's temperament in a courtroom. If you saw me arguing on my own behalf after being horrifically slandered to such an extent that you're trying to destroy my reputation and my family— you're going to see a very different side of me. 
and Rachel Mitchell, who was the Arizona prosecutor tapped by the Republicans to question Brett Kavanaugh, has come out with a five-page memo that also says Boy, uh, no charges. i got to be honest. Out, out of all the things I've read since Thursday night, and I think you know we all have read about you know 1.5 million things, uh, commentaries, tweets, et cetera, et cetera, the Rachel Mitchell thing to me was the most interesting. It was fascinating. And because what it did is it assembled all in one document all of the different contradictions and confusions around this case. Yeah. And, and, and to, to see it all there in black and white was pretty illuminating. Now, a lot of people try to write it off as a partisan Republican document, but if she's saying facts like the therapist notes say one thing and Christine Blasey Ford says another thing, those are, that's, just, that's just a fact. That's what occurred. Or if she told her therapist late, um, uh, late teens, mid-80s, and now is saying uh, middle teens, early 80s, those are conflicts that are just a fact. Right. And so to lay it all out there, I think, was very, very helpful. And so now, David, uh, there was a lot of complaints by Democrats saying, well, the, the scope of the investigation is far too narrow. And now, apparently, around 2.30 or so this afternoon, President Trump has said, okay, uh, let's investigate whatever you want to investigate. It's wide open at this point. Right. Well, you know, the, the scope of the investigation, how narrow or wide it was, was always based on rumors and, and anonymous sourcing. So you would have a story that says two people familiar with the matter have said, and everyone goes nuts. Um, from the beginning, I thought, well, number one, an FBI investigation wasn't necessary because the Senate is actually fully empowered to do its own investigation, and this is its own responsibility. But number two, that, you know, I'm going to judge the FBI investigation when I see the results of the FBI investigation. Everyone's just bouncing around based on this or that latest Twitter rumor. See, and that's what is putting me into a state of despair about this, David. I got to be honest. I, I can't believe how easily people have decided who's telling the truth and who isn't. The people know the truth. Yeah, people are absolutely certain that he's lying or she's lying. People are absolutely certain. And I just, I can't figure out whatever happened to data, whatever happened to evidence. I mean, I'm not certain either way. I'm just waiting to see if we can find some evidence. Uh, Yes, I mean, that's, that's the thing. You know, we're in this mode, believe women, or some people are saying, well, believe you know, believe women, believe women. You should no more believe women than you believe men. Yeah, Just right. believe evidence. And a lot of people are subjecting their, their substituting, instead of evidence, their own very subjective view of tone and demeanor. So we, we all have this really crazy idea that somehow we can sniff out who's lying and who's telling the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, we're really not good at that. We're really not good at that. And emotion isn't evidence. Emotion is powerful. And we will respond to it and resonate with it or not, depending on our, you know, a lot of different things. So emotion is very, very powerful. And so the emotion that Brett Kavanaugh showed, the emotion that Christine Blasey Ford all showed, that all that's very powerful. It's not evidence. Right. And, and the thing that I keep going back to is if you're going to accuse a man of sexual assault, you need to show at least that it's at least that there's a burden of proof that there is. It's more likely than not that you're right. That's mm-hmm. That's all I ask. Right. Come and, forward with enough evidence. And now, David, have you met Brett Kavanaugh? I have not. I mean, I we are, you know, he is a friend of friends, but I I have not met him. Okay, I have not met him either. Um, so I and I don't know Doctor Ford. I don't know either one of these people. So I'm certainly not staking my reputation on either <laughs> one of them. No, of course I mean, not. all I can say is we have to look for the preponderance of evidence at this point. 
I don't feel like Dr. Ford has presented any that's really compelling to me. But at the same time, I'm just not comfortable weighing in and just throwing my support 100% behind anybody. Right, right. David French is with us from the National Review. So let's talk about that compelling testimony. Because when you watched Dr. Ford last week, obviously a lot of people were like, holy smokes. I, I thought, mean, that it, was, is I thought, clear. I thought it was compelling. It I was, didn't think it was crystal clear, but I did think it was compelling. Very compelling. So David, I wonder about this. Um, what about witness training? I mean, how, how does that work? Clearly, there was a, this was a presentational in some way. And dare I say a piece of theater. Not to say that it was false. I mean, I don't know if it was true or false, but Dr. Ford was trained and went through the paces like it was a piece of theater so that as she appeared before the country, everybody had their minds made up pretty early on if she was telling the truth or not. So what about that? How is a witness sort of trained and talked through all the different points to appear credible? That is a thing, isn't it? Of course. All all direct testimony is theater. All of it. All of it in every case. I mean, if, unless your lawyer is an idiot. <laughs> um, you know, look, Proverbs eighteen seventeen. Uh, you know, he who presents first in a lawsuit, he who presents first is deemed right until cross-examination. I mean, that's a paraphrase, but this is, this is an ancient truth. You, when you present your case, if you have prepared and you've rehearsed it, which every sentient person does with any sense, you're going to be... You're going to make a good case. You're going to be pretty mm-hmm. darn convincing. Um, and often then what happens is cross-examination pokes holes in, in your presentation. But in this case, there was never proper cross-examination. You'd have a series of five minutes of questions followed by five minutes of Democratic senators, you know, um, uh, paying tribute to her valor and virtue. Right. The best lawyer in America can't get a decent cross-examination going. So she essentially got to present her case without a real cross-examination, and that's going to always have an exaggerated influence over Mm. people. Now, what about uh, Rachel Mitchell? And we talked about this earlier in our segment. She has released to the GOP members of the Senate Judiciary Committee her comments, her read on exactly what happened. Now, from her point of view, David, she said there's really not much of a case here. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm starting to get to this point. Um. I do not have a God's eye view of what happened in that night and whenever it was, 82 or mid-80s or whatever. Um, I don't even have, you know, if, if anything happened at all. Um, I don't know. I don't, I'm not God. I don't know. But what I'm certain about is that she has not presented evidence sufficient, not just to establish a preponderance of the evidence, but she, her evidence is so thin and contradictory that if she walked into a lawyer's office and asked someone to take this case in civil court, um, I don't know many lawyers. I'm not sure if I've met ever met a lawyer who would have taken this case into civil court on this evidence. It's very, very thin. Wow. So, David, uh, of course, it's only Monday. They said that this whole thing would wrap up within a week's time, which would be Friday. I would not be surprised if it was sooner. Uh, hard to crystal ball this, but bearing any explosive new evidence, although there may be, right? What do you presuppose would be the road that's followed here for these next several days and then with the exclamation point at the end of the week? Well, you know, barring some crazy twist in the news cycle, which we can never say won't happen, <laughs> um, the fact of the matter is is that uh, this is going to be dominant. Uh, there's going to be an enormous amount of pressure brought to bear on, multi- on a few senators, and this is going to depend basically on, on what 
Lisa Murkowski, Susan Collins, Jeff Flake think about uh, the FBI investigation or and or any other arguments brought against it. So I would say as of right now, if the FBI doesn't uncover anything new um, against Kavanaugh, I, I think the odds are still good that he'll be confirmed. Uh, if the FBI does uncover something that's against Kavanaugh, then he's definitely sunk. Uh, but, you know, even if they uncover, don't uncover anything new, there's still going to be an enormous amount of pressure building day after day after day. And who knows? Who knows? Because one, one of the things you have to understand is the Democrats truly believe if they can block him, they have a chance to stop Donald Trump from appointing and confirming another justice to the Supreme Court throughout his whole first term. Because their goal would be to stop Kavanaugh, win the Senate, and then prevent Trump from having any other nominee. And with that kind of massive goal in mind, they're not going to give one quarter of one inch. Uh, so the pressure will be immense. David, there are many Democrats, um, a large number of whom I follow on Twitter, who insist that if the Republicans in the Senate, if Mitch McConnell would have allowed a discussion uh, to talk about the merits of Merrick Garland, that they would not be nearly as angry as they are now. What do you say? That's, I think that's, that's completely wrong. <laughs> um, Merrick, Merrick Garland is 1% of this. Um, Trump is 40% of this. And then 59% of this is Roe. Um, so, you know, look, I think the I think the Trump, the elevation of Trump to the presidency, has created a sense of, of emergency and urgency amongst Democrats, and also kind of changed our sort of permission structure and yeah. how crazy we can get in making claims. I mean, let's not forget Trump claimed that that Ted Cruz's father helped assassinate JFK. Um, right. So, you know, that's. It's a short trip from that to, well, Trump's nominee committed gang rape. <laughs> I mean, this is where we are now, and I think it's um, made particularly intense in this circumstance by fear that um, Kavanaugh could overrule, overturn Roe. And if that's the case, that you know, this these are this is where we're going to be for the foreseeable future in these nomination battles. And that's why I think it's so important that character assassinate, assassination not succeed, because right. if it does, we'll see more of it. Yes. Okay, but then the question is. If the FBI turns up nothing, if the Republicans decide to move forward, they have enough votes. Um, how does Kavanaugh? How does Kavanaugh retain, you know, a, a majority of public confidence? Is I it mean, always it, an asterisk it, it in front to, of his name? I mean, the guys well, do, the, but the guy's doomed in that regard, right? I mean, there's just there's always going to be a percentage of the American people that are going to think he's a dog. Same with Clarence Thomas. I mean, the the. The fact of the matter is um, what ends up happening is he'll get on the court. The court still has the same legal authority that it did the day before he was on it and the day after he was on it. Um, the court, the decisions of the court are just as binding as they were with him on it as they are with Jerry, Clarence Thomas on it. And then one of the reasons why the left has so much urgency is these fights recede in importance over time. Um so, yeah, I mean, there are people who are still mad about Anita Hill and Clarence Thomas, but you know what? Clarence Thomas has been a, a judge on the court for 27 years. Um, yeah, so it's it's these fights fade over time. The other interesting thing is if he gets on the court, there aren't any really big hot-button culture war cases for this whole next term. It's going to be a whole bunch of boring cases. <laughs> and so he's going to end up issuing a whole bunch of rulings and writing opinions in cases that just aren't controversial. And it will go back to business as usual, and there will be, trust me, in the Trump era, 90 other fights that are going to consume our lives. So 
you know, who knows if this will even be in the top five. Oh, my goodness. By six months from now. All right. <laughs> Hang on to your hats. Right. Hey, David, thanks enough a lot. <laughs> you know, your presence and your insight, always welcome here. We greatly appreciate you here. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Our pleasure. David French, senior writer at the National Review, a fellow at the uh, National Review Institute, also a veteran of uh, Operation Iraqi Freedom. David French, follow him on Twitter. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.